Hi, I'm Michael Pinter. Welcome to the How to Flip New York podcast, where we teach you how to start or grow a wholesaling or flipping business in New York. If you're getting any value from this podcast, please leave us a review because that helps us out greatly. Hi, this is Michael Pinter. Welcome to the Wholesale and Flipping Houses in New York show. And uh, this is my first interview on the podcast with one of my favorite people in the world, Greg Helbeck. Some of you uh, know him. Greg grew up uh, in New York, in, I think it's a Rockland or uh, is it Rockland Orange. County? Yeah. Orange County. And um, Greg is amazing because Greg is 25 and I don't think I know one person uh, between his age or my age, and I'm pretty much twice his age, um, who has their priorities as straight and their time managed as effectively. And we'll talk about Greg actually is teaching uh, how he manages his time. We'll get into his product uh, a little later. But uh, I found Greg on the internet after Greg had started uh, uh, learning John Martinez's techniques. Uh, John Martinez is like premier sales trainer for real estate investors. But the difference between Greg and probably the 20,000 other people who took John Martinez training is that Greg went online um, on Facebook, would record his calls with sellers and would critique himself. And I think most of us know that uh, most young people when it comes to social media are, you know, posting their latest party, uh, somebody got drunk, uh, their new Ferrari, their $20,000 check. But Greg was somebody who was up there saying, I really screwed up this call and this is where I should have done better. And the fact that Greg was, was able to, uh, to, to critique himself really got John Martinez's attention and he started uh, working with John on a couple of deals. So um, we're gonna talk about Greg's uh, journey to where he is now and uh, Greg, welcome to the show. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, Michael. It's cool to meet your first guest. And uh, just quick disclaimer, I like, I am like, a, you know, Justin Bieber has his believers. I'm like a Michael Pinter believer. I watch every single YouTube video because it speaks directly to me because I always say this to you, like every time we talk, which is a lot, if I knew about you when I got started, I would have been knocking on your door at night in a non-creepy way. Cause like, that is what I needed to hear back, you know, like five years ago. <laughs> right. I think as crazy as it sounds, and even as I, the words come out of my mouth, I think it's nuts. Um, I don't think there are a lot of people teaching how to become a real estate investor in New York. Um, there really aren't because uh, there's, there's 49 states and there's New York and New York is like another planet. Um, so it's a couple of things I teach. It's really like a, another planet. And I, I started doing YouTube videos of about a, two years ago, just like explaining what's different in New York. And people are shocked when I, when I tell them things like there's no inspection contingency and you can't bring a, can't bring a contract to the closing, um, things like that because of their sales attorneys. Um, so I think, and, 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 and we discussed this before, but I think, you and I may be the only two people in the world who have done deals outside of New York and choose to do, uh, uh, I'd say the most of our business still in New York. Now you moved out of New York, you moved to uh, sunny San Diego where it's always uh, perfect weather. And I envy you for that. But um, I still go uh, back to New York. <laughs> I know, I know you're back. I see you when you come back, I, I, I try, to, time. <laughs> try, back try to see you. But I don't think there's a lot of other people because when I think of the people that are really doing business in New York, and I like for only first of all, only four or five people come to mind. Yeah. They really only do business in New York, right? I think of yes. Billy Alvaro. I think of uh, uh, Sanchez, San Frank Sanchez, and these are guys who are great guys. Uh, yeah. you know, there just aren't a lot of them, but a lot of yeah. them don't do business outside New York. And you and I have had the opportunity to do business outside New York, which yeah. on some level seemed, I know for me and probably for you, seemed like this amazing path to. Uh, to easy money, right? Because uh, we weren't yeah, getting all yeah. the challenges that, that New York faces. 
and we've chosen to, to, to continue to do business here. So why don't you talk a little bit about why uh, you continue to do business in New York, and I'll, I'll chime in uh, for probably a lot. Probably we both have the same reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question. And, it, you know, I think the big thing in New York was, I think for newbies, for people who are brand new, especially young newbies, guys who are under 25, maybe even under 30, New York is very difficult because a lot of the information that you're going to get from other people who have good intentions, they're just not in New York. So there doesn't make sense for them to teach real estate investing in New York because they're not in New York. And maybe 5% of the people who listen to them are even in New York. So all their advice is going to be general advice for the majority of the country. When a new investor tries to get into New York, it's so much different. And that's why you bring such, so much value to the marketplace. Um, when I started out, at least, I had a difficult time with the deposits. I had a difficult time with really knowing what a deal was. I didn't have a lot of confidence because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And that's, that's inevitable with anything. And I also was like, I, I, I just, the attorney thing just threw me off. Like you have to lock, like locking up a property in New York is a big deal. I think locking up a deal in Texas, I mean, you can sign a napkin and, you know, spit on it and it's a contract, you know, in New York, like locking up a property is a, is a number one, it's a process. And number two, it's kind of intimidating. So <clears throat> when I started, it was very hard for me to like get contracts because I get offers accepted, they would die in escrow and like, they wouldn't even go in escrow. And I, I started to get fed up and I was like, I was making a little bit of money. It was not life-changing money. Like it was not even six figures, but I was still making money every couple months doing wholesale deals the wrong way like selling to one buyer and taking away less because I had no leverage. Right. And then I said, well, let me try this in Texas. And just in Texas is competitive too. Like, it's not like that's an easy market, but this is really before cold calling got popular. So I was going out and cold calling people before they were getting saturated. And it just, I was, it was so much easier to do deals. I mean, it was just the, the, the attorneys were an issue. The deposits were an issue. The buyers, there was probably more buyers there. And I made a, a fortune. I mean, I made a fortune for my age at the time. It was like life-changing money. I mean, you know, several hundreds of thousands of dollars in like a pretty short time frame. Moved to California. And after that, I um, basically started going back into New York because I realized the cold calling was getting really saturated down in Texas. Most of the leads that I was pursuing were already in my database because I was going so niche. Like there's only so many of those in any given area. And I, I started doing some mailings back in New York because in the beginning in New York, I didn't have a lot of money to market either. I didn't have a huge budget. Now I have a bigger marketing budget and I know that area so well. And I started to see the spreads I was making in New York. And I saw that like the lack of competition because it's just not as crowded. Like there's people, but it's not crazy like California and I can do six figure deals and $50,000 wholesale fees and $80,000 wholesales. And I'm like, how many of these do I need to do every month to really like be fine, you know? And, um, you know, it, it also allowed me to also come back to where I'm from, you know, like I live in California, but I love going back to New York. I, I literally love New York state as much as the BS is, 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 as much BS is in that state. I really love New York. I'm a New Yorker at heart. And, um, number one, the deals are great there. Number two, the competition is minimal. And number three, it allows me to go back to, to where my roots are. I agree. I mean, for me, the, the three best parts about doing New York are two of them you said before, like you make more money per deal here for sure. Oh, easily. Yeah. I, I average, I average about 30,000 on a wholesale or a hotel deal and people in Vegas or Phoenix or Dallas, like they're, they're happy with seven, $8,000. Like, I'd be crying. Four times as much, right? In the therapist chair. <laughs> right, and I do, and I've done deals where I made eight grand, and I've considered that like a, like a loss, almost like like that's a bad deal. But but we average about thirty, and the yeah. lack of competition, and people are always shocked that there yeah. is so much less competition here. They can't even understand how that's possible, and it's so true. Like the amount of if you're on a on any kind of niche list, 
in uh, Las Vegas or Phoenix, you're gonna get like 600 pieces of mail. In New York, you know, you'll, you'll get two, three. The only lists I, that I find that are saturated in New York that where they really get hit hard are uh, pre-foreclosure lists. Oh, yeah. Those people get like 100 pieces of mail, but 80 of them are from attorneys who want to represent sure. them. Yeah. And uh, 20 are from buyers. And then uh, probate, probate lists also get, get hit. But every Damn. other list, really, in New York, there's little competition. And the third reason why I think, and there's a lot of good reasons for New York, but the, the top three reasons, the third the number three reasons why three reasons why I like doing business in New York is you can't get out of the contract. I know you had a yeah. situation recently. You had a situation yeah. recently where the guy like changed his mind, went to get out, but he had no yeah. choice, right? Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, we were gonna sue him. Yeah, we were this close away from getting suing the guy because we, we were like, listen, dude, like I flew back here, like you're you're signing, like we're, I don't give a shit, you know. <laughs> right, people don't understand like the, it, the some of the challenges in New York. It's harder to get into contract, but once you're in, yeah. you're oh, never getting out. Ne no. You're not getting out. <laughs> file his pendants no. on the property and he'll never sell it to anyone else ever like in other states people say well i'm protected because i'll 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 file uh the contract i'll record the contract. the contract yeah we do that in dallas all the time yeah but it, all that does is 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 the next time if that guy sells the property like in in 100 years you, he's got somebody's may call you from a title company that doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to force him but here you can sue him for specific performance for the whole the whole amount like you're not getting out of contract here so that's a big a big deal. So I, I mean, I, 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 I like, you got to take the good with the bad and the fact that you make more money, less competition. I think it's worth all the other challenges and between you and and the way we started in this business is that's how we, that's how we started. That's how the, the kind of things that we were used to. Yeah. So, the, the, I mean, here, let me give you an example on the, on the profit thing. So I just did a deal in Port Jervis on Friday and that market is generally speaking a crappy market, like low income, low ARV, right. I made $30,000 on a wholesale deal in Port Jervis that I, I, I was like, I'll wholesale this if I get 30 grand. If I don't, I'll just buy it and make 50. $30,000 wholesale deal in Port Jervis where the median home price is like 140,000. So, and, and there was no competition. And like, it was not easy to do the deal because the buyer was a pain in the ass, but like, where are you going to make 30 grand on a wholesale deal on a crappy, uh, on a crappy house in a crappy area? Like it, 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 it's, and I was, I live in California. I mean, I went to the house once or twice because I was in New York, but still, I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's serious money on a wholesale deal. You know, usually people are making, like you said, seven, 10 grand. That's not a lot right. of money. Once you start doing deals, right. In the beginning it is. So it's different. Right. No, but, I, but, I, but I'm saying there are guys doing a lot of business. I know guys doing a lot of business in Phoenix yeah. and, and they shoot for eight grand on a deal. That's like a yeah, quarter that. of what we, what we can make on a deal here. One deal. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. Awesome. I mean, if I can't make 30 grand on a deal now, I'm not, I'm not happy. I mean, honestly, like 20 is like, eh, 10 is really like, I'll just let it go. 30. If I'm wholesaling is what I'm shooting for. If I can't make 30 grand, there's a problem. Usually at least in my, in, in Hudson Valley or San Diego, same thing. Right. For, for me too. I shoot, I shoot for 30, but, I, but very often I make more and, yeah. um, and once in a while you make less, but, so, but sometimes I'll close. Sometimes, sometimes you or I will close on the deal. Uh, you know, that's really the difference between you and that's a big in new york that's a big point if you want to talk about that is that that was a big reason why i wasn't succeeding in new york is i was a one one trick pony for a while for sure when you started you didn't you didn't have the money you you, you were scared to close and you you yes. i know you were dealing with like one buyer but yes. uh i know that when i'm going at the contract and people and a lot of people starting out when they hear this get, get terrified because they've been told by so many people on the internet Wholesaling is risk-free. You just go in oh. into contract. You have an inspection contingency. If you can't find a buyer, you just say, I'm sorry, but that's not how it works in New York. In New York, yeah. you got to go in hard. That means you got to either you assign to it or you got to yeah. go and close, right? You and I know that we go in hard. So we're, 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 
the seller's getting his money from us, either 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 getting a sign from somebody else and we're making a spread or we're going to close. So that's the way I, I approach every deal. And one yeah. of the things I do, and uh, so I, I, I really look at deals now where I'm trying to buy them cheap enough where I have three options. It doesn't work on every deal because the condition makes a, a difference. But ideally, when I'm buying something, um, I can wholesale it. So I'm buying cheap enough that I, there's a spread between what a rehab or okay. Sometimes I can wholesale it if it's not terrible and if it's mortgageable. So I can yeah. then, if I can't find a wholesale buyer, let's say I can just put it out on the market, do minimal, you know, do, maybe I have to clean it up, that kind of thing. And then if I can't get get through that, then I'll rehab the property and, and fix it up. So I look at properties with that, that have options. And very often, even when I wholesale it, I know I'm leaving money on the table, but I, I okay. ideally, I would wholesale pretty much every property because rehabs are are tough you you had a you had a deal i know you did it, when i saw you where Emmanuel. you had a you had a surprise on it and these and that's oh. basically anytime you anytime you're closing on something and you're doing work to it surprises come about so why don't you talk about yeah. that that deal that you did yeah yeah i mean i have i i still i i still rehab today i mean i have so thankfully after that i i have a project manager that works with me and he manages all the rehabs you know he gets a percentage of the deal but I don't have to, I'm not involved in the day-to-day decisions. I just send the money and approve everything. And that, that is key if you're rehabbing, if you're not in the local market, because that, that's hard to do. Um, I had a property I made, I mean, I made six figures on it, but it, it, I almost got hosed because this thing, because in, in I think another thing with New York, and I'll tell the story, and we'll also drive home a point that this makes New York a lot different. The, the, the municipalities in each of it, so basically in New York, it's at least where Michael and I are from, like, there's towns, and then there's villages, and then there's hamlets. So, like, really, there's so many different, like, kind of bureaucracies you have to deal with. All these different jurisdictions. Yeah, jurisdictions, yeah. So, like, you can have a property in, like, Clarkstown, for example, um, but then it's in the village of, you know, like, uh, like New City or something. So, th- th- there's a lot of people you have to deal with. So, I had a property. It was in uh, the village. Uh, it was in the town of Orange, Orangetown, New York, which is right by New Jersey. And... I, there was a permit there, there was a, so when I bought the property, so just if you're new listening here, when you close on a property in New York, and that's another difference in New York, there's municipal searches. There's no municipal searches in California or Texas. That doesn't exist. So you get a title search done, which is pretty typical. And you get a municipal search search done. Municipal search is done by the town, not by the title company. Like the town pulls the municipal searches the title company. So what happened was the town of Orange in New York, they did not, go out to the property when I bought the property and, and verify that there's any illegal, um, you know, like things on the property, like decks or roofs or anything siding. So they told me I had to clear, clear to close and there was no violations. So, cause they never went there. So once I closed rehab the house and put it back on the market, we got it under contract in two days. Like it was literally sold in two days, like to a buyer, like I think higher than what it was listed for. It was crazy. Um, and when they went to go, when then when the new buyer went and did the municipal search, the way that the, the 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 village did their underwriting, they started sending guys out to the property, and they saw that there was a deck there that they, was not on their records. They changed you know? the process to require to, process, to require yeah. an onsite inspection. To require an onsite, yeah. And I got flagged, and I had to fly back for a month. It cost me like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and it was very stressful. And we ended up getting it solved. Now I know how to deal with that. The permit we're dealing with that right now on another property, but. That's different. That that is really you're only really going to see something like that usually in New York because in Texas and in California I've done properties there where if there's an issue you just give the buyer a credit and it's all good. In New York usually the lender and the reason this was an issue is because the lender 
was not going to loan on the property with a open violation. So I, I was going to give them a credit for like five grand. I said, take the damn credit. I don't care. But they were like, no, our lender won't loan on there. And it was, it was, it was stressful, but you know, that's, that's something that, and that's the difference between rehabbing and wholesaling. I mean, if that happened to me when I was new, I would have been screwed. But like now I have some experience and like, you know, I call, I can call people I know. And, um, but that's what you got to look out for in New York. I mean, there, there's just, those are the nuances, but um, at that's, least every challenge, go ahead. Sorry. That still end up being your, your best deal. Oh yeah. That was a, that was a over six figure net profit after everyone got paid off. Like I borrowed hard money on that thing. And like, that was a straight, that was a serious deal. And I, I, it's funny you say that because I set a goal earlier that year, which was last calendar year. I said, I want to net a hundred grand on a property this year. And I went out, set that as a goal, took action. I found a bunch of vacant properties, called them from my phone in California. And, you know, one out of the 50 ended up being that deal. And I mean, it just goes to show, like, if you're in this business, especially if you're watching this and you're in New York and you're new and you were like me five years ago, like you got to set your goals kind of high and then understand that if you're consistent every single day, like you're going to get data. And then based on that data, you're going to know whether you're on or off track. And then you have guys like Michael or myself to reach out to and we can really help you because we've been in your shoes before, but it, it really just comes down to consistency, you know, when it comes to goal achievement. Absolutely. Why don't you talk a little bit about the, uh, the product you have? Cause, um, like I said, I don't know anybody who really has their priorities as straight as you and who has better time management than you. So why don't you talk about a little bit about, about the EPH? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I got a lot of people reach out to me because I, I, I go on Instagram a lot and I'll take pictures of like my story and I'll like read books or I'll show like my schedule and like my system. Like I, I basically try to break everything down into like systems, like my week system, my day system, my month system, my year system. And, um, you know, I, I, I was getting a lot of people reaching out to me and they were like asking me for like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And I started putting out videos on it. And then, you know, I had a few people say like, Hey, you should like consider making a course. And I was a little against that at first. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, it just seemed, I think the whole info marketing industry gets a bad reputation because there's a couple of charlatans out there who just ruin it for everyone. But if you genuinely go out there and you want to help people and provide a legit product, like it's a great business. Um, so I created a course, basically it's, it's, it's not a real estate specific course. Like in a chat of wholesale houses, but it's going to give you the blueprint on really how to be productive and take whatever goal you want to achieve and systematically break it down. Uh, you know, so I talk about how to plan your week, how to plan your month, how to use your KPIs to really drive your success, how to reflect on your activities to see what's working, what's not working. So it's like a blueprint, like for anyone really, I mean, you could use that to lose weight to, you know, whatever the really big deal is. It's like an operating system for how to achieve an objective. So that's the, the course I created and it, it's, it's been cool so far, kind of jumping into that business and selling it what's and the, uh, helping people. What's the URL for that course again? Can you give it to me? Um, that one, you go to ephclass.com and it's basically, a, you know, you, there's like a 40 minute video where I, I actually walk through my number one productivity trick that I did to, to, to really increase my income. So that, that training actually, it's free, it's 40 minutes and uh, it's, it's super valuable. You know, I put a lot of effort into that thing. So ephclass.com gives you uh, my, basically my top productivity thing for free. I'm, I'm a big believer in giving away your best stuff. And then from there, if people want to become clients after that, then uh, they already kind of know what you're about. I'll put it in, I'll put it in the, in the show now. So how many different areas are you, are you operating in now? I know you, you do a lot in New York and yeah. you're doing some in San Diego too, right? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Mike, San Diego is hard, man. San, I, I, I got a deal that's, I, I sent him the contract. He's signing it and sending it back. San Diego is a tough market. I'll tell you right now, I bought another deal out here and I'm going to probably lose money on it. Like it, it's, this area is, it's, it's is not a land, land. Is that the land deal? That's a land deal. I'm probably going to lose. I, at the end of the day, I'm just going to probably lose, but it's okay. You know, I, it's my choice. 
Um, but, you, can't lose uh, that much. you can't lose that much. I think you bought it pretty cheap, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll lose like ten grand more at max. But I, you know what? It, it's it's it is what it is. Maybe I'll make money. Who who knows? Um, so. Yeah, so New York is really the primary area that I've done most of my business in in the last two years. Um, before that, it was Dallas, Texas. I, there was a point where I, I wanted nothing to do with New York. I didn't want to touch that place. With I remember, I remember yeah. meeting you at uh, John Martinez boot camp at Coronado, and you were saying like, "F New York, I'm, I got it. Takes too long. I'm going to I'm going to Texas." And I was like, "That makes sense. I think I might try that." <laughs> but you know what? It was it, Texas. I, I still do deals in Texas because the, the believe it or not, the leads that I generated years ago are still serving me today because like most deals come on the follow-up anyway, at least in right. my business, like our follow-up is where the money is. Me too. Made. Me too, for sure. Oh yeah. And uh, so, so Texas, it was my, I was really operating in Texas for like two years strong and making a good amount of money there. And then once that marketing channel started drying up, I didn't want to do mailing in Texas or any other like media in Texas. I just really liked that niche I had there. And I was like, yeah, I got to go back into New York. So really right now it's, it's. Why don't you talk, why don't you talk about the niche that you were, that you were, uh, yeah. you were um, yeah. marketing to in Texas? Yep. So basically all I was doing in Texas, it was pretty straightforward. And uh, this is really comes down to like, you know, my, my, basically my course that I created is based off of the productivity that I was doing in Texas. So I was going out and I was just getting like a distressed seller list of like foreclosures or tax delinquents, which is my favorite. And then on that list, this is before any lease list stacker existed. I was stacking lists before people knew what list stacking was. And I'm not a pioneer, but I'm just saying this is like what happens before you get it. Like you always want to be somewhere before it gets saturated, you know, because once it gets saturated, it becomes a commodity and you're screwed. So I was manually stacking lists and cold calling people. And they had vacant homes that were delinquent in taxes, AKA usually they didn't live there and they didn't give a crap about the property. So I was able to number one, solve their problem that they didn't think they could solve. And number two, get it at a price that was five times better than all those investors. So we were wholesaling houses for 30, 40, 50 grand in Texas, like in Texas, making a fortune. And I was never seeing these houses. And I, I, I honestly knew Mike, that wasn't going to last forever because if it's something's that easy, usually it's going to change because if it's easy, everyone can do it. And I like barriers to entry, at least in my business. So yeah, like that strategy worked phenomenally well, like for a couple of years and it still works today, but it's a little harder to do because there's more data out there. Um, so that was really all I was doing in Texas. And I still make money in Texas to this day from the efforts that I did years and years and years ago, which is, which is interesting if you think about it. Yeah. Um, so, so really that's, so in terms of me operating in Texas today, it's from the old leads. New York is where I primarily do primarily do a lot of my marketing, you know, Facebook and mailers, and I'm going to start doing a lot of PPC. Um, I've actually done some really good cold call deals in New York, just targeted cold calls, you know, like where I just did a rehab last week. We closed it and made 43 grand off freaking cold you, calls. Like, you were making the cold calls? You had other people calling for you? It was one of those targeted lists. So I, I, I personally called the guy because it was a guy on three lists. I called him because I, it was like vacant house. I'm like, let me call this guy. This was last year though. So like I made, I called the guy last August and I finally got paid for that deal this August because it took forever to, to close. Um, but anyway, it's, it's all about the, the long-term mindset. So, and then in California, so I'm marketing California right now. I got a deal I closed on. I'll probably lose money on it to be honest. And then I have another deal that I'm almost certain I can wholesale for 30 grand. The, the second big thing it's officially under contract. Cause he's got to like in California, you don't need an attorney, but he has to sign it, send it back to me. And then I'm going to sign it and take it over to escrow. Um, but even in California, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm doing Sherpa messaging and I'm, I would consider myself a decent marketer and I'm $80 cost per lead on SMS, which is insanely high because the lead quality is really low. Um, so what do you, what do you, what do you consider a lead? 
from an SME? Oh, yeah. So I, 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 I qualify pretty hard. Like if it's, a, it's, if it's a jerk, I don't even count them as a lead in texting because texting is a lot of those. Uh, I, I, they have to be willing to have a text conversation on like a thread and then they got to be willing to get on the phone and then that's a lead. Um, cause I was used to count too many people as leads and it was clogging up the database for everyone for the VAs. It was a disaster. I had the same, um, so, I had the same yeah. issue with texting. Like anybody who like responded with uh, what's your offer? I can say, yeah, yeah, I was exactly. I stopped doing that. Of those people, no interest in selling. No intention of selling. No intention of selling. And so, so even, even in San Diego, like once I can figure out my cost per deal, I'm, I'm game to do deals out here. It's just in the beginning, it's a little tricky because this market is, it's very saturated and the properties are very expensive. So like these people are literally saying I get five of these a day and I'm okay with that because the deal that I'm doing, like there was other investors on it and you know, he liked me and I, I, you know, I think most investors, like if you're in a competitive market or if you're in New York and you're worried about competition, you got to understand most investors are not going to do the things that they need to do to get deals every month. They're going to like do one text. They're not going to follow up. They're going to be a complete knucklehead on the phone. They're going to sound like a serial killer talking to the seller. So if you can just be okay at those, 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 those like things, you'll be fine. Like competition isn't that big of a deal and you can't control competition. So why even worry about it? You know? Yeah. I had a, I had a, a lead who wanted to sell me the house. She, then she went dark and yeah. I I try to call her. I, I, I TLO'd her, which is a skip tracing service, try and find yeah, anybody yeah. who knew her. I drove by the house and yeah. uh, I, I don't know if she's 100% there, but I, uh, she said, I, I can't call you on my phone because my phone is tapped. So I bought a burner uh, phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bought her a burner phone and dropped it off there. She hasn't called me with it yet, but I'm hoping she will. Yeah, um, but like, like, on some part of some part of me says, "What the hell are you wasting all this time with?" But the other part of me says, "She's not selling to anybody else. No one else is dropping a phone off by her. No one else is going to go do this extra step." So I hope I get the deal. It's a good yeah. deal. It's in sea totally. um, on the water. I mean, I really want it. Um, I just hope that she's like not not going to be like committed to an insane asylum. That's what did, I hope. Did she come from an SMS campaign? I think she's responded to a mailer like two years ago. Yeah, those wacky sellers. What? Those wacky sellers are always. Yeah. All right, so I've, we we both have dealt with crazy sellers, and and that's, I, you know ideally you love to deal with people that are normal, but the truth is that, um, like the reason why we get paid sometimes is to deal with people that are not one hundred percent normal, and yeah. uh, the more the more barriers to entry and the more difficult someone is, the the less likely you're going to have anybody else competing with you. So that's the way I I look at difficult sellers. Oh, Totally. Especially on the, I mean, if you want, I can share a case study on like a crazy deal we did last year. I could share like the thing. Sure. It was in New York too. So it was relevant. And um, there's a lot of lessons I think listeners can get from this. So basically long and long story short, I'm a big fan of PropStream. I think Michael has a link to PropStream. If you guys want to check it out, you get a discount. And um, I was really playing around with PropStream last year. I was starting to really get familiar with it. And I just did a quick pre-foreclosure search in New York, where I'm from. Because like Orange County, New York, I know that area so well. Like, you could tell me an address and I'm like, oh, it's worth that. You know, it's just, that's just, you know, my market. And so I, I saw this lead in Warwick. And I'm sure you've heard of Warwick. It's a really, really desirable area in Orange County. Like I, I, I like, you know, if I was going to live in New York again, I'd consider Warwick. You know, it's a really good area. About a town or two over from Monroe. And the seller, I saw that the property, it was in pre-foreclosure. So there's a list pendants filed. So it hasn't gone back to the bank yet. The property owner was deceased on record. So it was an inherited property. 
And then I looked at the, this is like, like the more niche you can get in the beginning, the more money you're going to make. Cause if you try to like do hardcore direct response, if you're brand new, you're going to just overwhelm yourself. So you want to really learn the niches at a low cost in the beginning, because you're going to really be able to beat out guys like Mike and I sometimes, because we're sometimes too lazy to do these things now. Um, but anyway, so um, I looked at the, the, the default amount and it was like super low compared to what the property was worth. And then like prop stream is not always hundred percent accurate. So then I went to the county clerk. And I looked for the, uh, the lawsuit that like, you know, the motion essentially. So I literally, I, I confirmed the number and I was like, oh my God, this lady's like 50 K in default. The property's worth 350 fixed up. Like this is crazy. So she didn't have a cell phone. I cold called her and this is, I was in San Diego. I was in my Who you calling the, air, the air of the person. Uh, yeah. I called the air. Yeah. I called the air and she actually lived, was living in the house. There's a landline. And she didn't want to sell the property. And I was like, oh my gosh, shocker. And I knew this was a deal. Like something, and I'm not too like uh, spiritual at all. Like, but I, I, something in my gut was telling me like, you should just try to be a little persistent here. So I was like, all right, fine. So I said, listen, um, her name was Joanne. Cause I've never heard the interesting story. I said, hey, uh, Joanne, I'm actually coming to New York next week. I'm out of town right now. Well, let me tell you this. Can I at least come to your house? I, I want it help you genuinely help you i'm not going to pressure you there's going to be no shenanigans i promise i'll give you an honest valuation of your property and either way you'll benefit from our meeting and i'm not going to hard sell you and you'll at least know what to do in the situation she's like fine i'll do it so i didn't hard sell her i said let me just go on the appointment and i knew this was a deal like i could just tell i think i, I could tell it was a deal and i go to her house and uh, i so i fly back to new york not for that but i was i had some other business going on there and uh she's like super distressed and she's like, doesn't know what's going on. And she kind of like, you know, foreclosure prospect usually have their head in the sand, rightfully so it's, it's a tough situation. And she had no idea what to do. She, the title work was screwed up. There was no will file. There was, you know, back taxes and she, she had no cell phone and she just couldn't really take care of herself. So it took me four appointments to get the deal under contract. Finally locked up the property. I actually locked this one up at the house because her technology wise, but she had an attorney and it was all good. And long story short, we had to buy her a burner phone. We had to go. We had to, we moved, we fully moved her out of the house. Like we, I went there with a moving truck and I spent five hours of my time moving her out with my buddies and we bought her a burner phone cause she didn't have a cell phone. So we got her like a flip phone thing and we got her a new apartment, put a, put a deposit down on the lease. Like we did all this work. I flew back like three times. And we ended up genuinely solving her problem and she would have not, she would have been screwed if we didn't help her. And, you know, we ended up making a boatload of money on the house. I mean, we closed on it. And we made like 50 grand, like wholesaling it. But um, the point of the story is there was other investors inundating her to sell the house. And most of them were just complete peckleheads about it. And they weren't cool and they weren't genuinely leading with value. So the point of that story is that if you have a service first mentality, and you know the prospects you can truly help. And that was one of them. You're going to, number one, you're going to make money. And number two, you're genuinely going to help people. And the more people I've helped in this business um, and the more like smooth transactions that have happened, that not, when I say smooth, I don't mean like, oh, everyone was hugging and saying kumbaya at the closing, but every, you know, everyone got what they needed. I mean, the money's always followed, you know, and you gotta, you gotta really be a problem solver especially in New York, because there's that deal took from, I mean, I think I got that lead in like March and I didn't get paid until like October, you right. know, or something like, something like that. But like, I agree, with that. I agree with exactly what you said. You got to lead with that. You really, we only get paid to solve people's problems, but also I think the one thing you learned from the story is that you were willing to go 
far Whatever. beyond the extra mile. And when oh, you yeah. when you're doing that, you know, there's some comfort in knowing no one else is going to be doing this, right? No one's doing that. And, no. But if you're leading with value, sometimes you still get screwed. I've done that where I've oh, helped exactly. people and uh, it hasn't worked out. But I think if you if you give before you get, you end up uh, end up receiving. And I, I, that's a good example of that. No, 100%. And you have to. And that's what that's what this business is about. I think the problem in our business is that there's a lot of gurus out there and they, they get so money focused. And I understand where they're coming from, because if you're going to make your ads profitable, you have to sell the sizzle. You know, that's just the way human beings work. And a lot of people get in the business and they forget about providing value. They just want to make money, make money, make money. And that's what I did in the beginning. I didn't make any money. But when I get on the phone with someone now and I'm talking to them I, I, and they're qualified, I genuinely want to find a way to help them. And that usually will result in me making a, a fortune on the house. Sure. One of the main mistakes I see new people making, um, and I see, I hear and see this all the time, is that they lead with, I buy houses cash, I'll close them in, in two days. <laughs> two right? minutes. And I got to tell you, I, in my I was doing this full time for like nine years. Um, yeah. In my time, I have bought more houses from people who were afraid of closing too quickly than I yes. were than I have from people who needed to close really quickly. Yes, totally. I bought a lot of houses from people who were like, "I don't have any place to go," and I'm I know I'm I'm selling it to you at a discount, but if you go to contract with me now and we'll wait as long as it takes for me to get the tenant out or to find a place yep. to go, um, then I'm willing to do it. That I bought a few houses for people like who really had to close like in two weeks, but much, much less than people who, oh. than who wanted more time. So if I would have led with those people who wanted more time with, I close in two days and I'm closing all cash and I'm going to buy yeah. right away. I would have, I never would have got those deals and people totally. do that all the time. And they think a lot because of what people see on the internet that, you know, you're going to get a list and every single person on that list is sitting at their, by their, at their desk waiting for somebody to buy their house. And when you call them, the, all that's gonna matter is how quickly you can close. And it's just, that's just not the case. That's such a fallacy. I'm so happy you said that because, yeah, I, I think there's two properties in the last year that I bought where we need to close in 30 days. And we did it, you know, that, that was one of them was the deal I almost had to take the guy to court on. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny you say that, Mike. I, I like that we're having this conversation because in my marketing copy and even in my, my, my communication with other people, I never really say buy your house fast. I say sell your house the easy way. Sell your house at a fair price without having to give it away. Like it, it's never about quick and it's like, it's never about speed. Like sometimes if it's about speed, then I let the prospect tell me it's about speed. Hey, listen, um, what's the number one thing you're looking to accomplish if you want to sell to an investor? And if they're like, oh, well, I don't want to have to deal with a realtor. Well, why don't you know what I mean? It's never really about the, the quick sale. It's, and I don't market that in my copy. It's always right. sell your house easy way. So you get a fair price for your house as is. It's not. I always say, I always say sell. I'll, I'll, I'll close whenever it works for you. Whatever you, you want. Know, that can exactly. be quick and that can be super slow. I'll wait as long as you need. Like, 10 years. Yeah, right. exactly. I just went to contract um, on it on a, on a property in Merrick. And they're all, the only issue that she had really was, you know, I, I don't have a place to go yet. She wants to move up to Orange County, by the way. I'm probably. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you tell me about it. Yeah, I know you're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it, you know, I'm sure there were other other investors who approached her and said, you know, I'll close fast. And for her, that was that was the one thing she didn't want to hear. The only thing she didn't want is she didn't want to go through the traditional process and have a go to contract with a buyer who's going to say, I need to get my kids into school by September 1st, that kind of thing. So. So yeah, totally. We offer that solution, but I think a lot of people getting into the business early just don't understand that. And what, no. and what I hear also from a lot of people is like they don't understand that when you buy a list, 
there's going to be a lot of people who are not interested on that list. I, no one's interested. It's, it's a percentage, man. It's a numbers game, man. It's someone who told me that she wrote a list. She had a list of 10,000. Uh, I think I helped her skip Tracer. She had 25,000 numbers. So she called 6,000 numbers. But she goes, so many of these people, wrong numbers, and weren't interested. I'm like, that's how it works. Like, the club. <laughs> that's how it works. What of the club is called everyone. That's how, that's how it works for everybody. Well, you, it, it, I like how you're saying that because you've got to think about it. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm a pretty, like, you and I are pretty advanced marketers at this point. Like, we're not newbies. So, like, we kind of get it. But you've got to think about your prospect. Like, what are the odds? Like, if you, like, if someone called me out of the blue and said, Greg, I want to buy a rental off you for cash. Or, Greg, I want to sell you these shoes. for Like, I'm, I'm probably not going to say, yes, thank you for calling. Like, today's the day. Like, I, if it's something I would consider, I'd say, I would not be totally against that, but right now, usually when someone pitches me, I usually say no, because I'm like, oh, right now, I don't think this is in my sphere, you know, but like maybe in the future, I don't know. Because your prospect, like, and that's why the follow-up is so key, because if you do enough calling, the law of averages will work in your favor, but you shouldn't rely on that, because most deals are going to come from like the fifth or sixth or tenth contact, because that's the way humans are. The only leads I will say where are that where you're going to get a lot of, you know, tail end of the sales cycle stuff is pay-per-click media and search engine optimization. I got a deal on SEO where literally it was a freaking, Hey, what's your offer? Lock it up. Bing, bang, boom, wholesale. And it's closing in a couple of weeks. But those are the only leads I have seen generally speaking consistently that the seller's usually ready to go. They're I mean, looking, I'm sure you are looking for you. I got an SEO. They're call. looking for you. Yes. Yes. I got an SEO call yesterday. Someone, I made an offer. She called me while we were on the phone. I just noticed my phone ring her. She, I, I, she might sell like to, I might get in contract today, but um, yes. there's it's very different. Like what people don't talk about in marketing, whether it's in real estate or any of your business, is that there is somewhat of a luck factor, right? You're you're calling people that are 100%. that are likely to sell you, but you got to yeah. catch them right when they have some kind of serious pain, right? You the, timing, right? Timing is a huge thing, and the only way to to sort of solve for that timing is to continue to call and to not not give up because yeah. just like, like i found with mail right mail is an interesting thing so i i, I dabbled with mail a while ago i, I bought a list and i mailed it once <laughs> you might as well take your money and put it in a shredder or flush what it vegas with me and we'll, we'll do some some sinning you know like right, <laughs> right. it's it, it doesn't work right you don't even know if your list was off you don't know if you i mean yeah, other things yeah. I believe you got to mail every anybody you're mailing. You got to budget in advance to mail them at least six times, maybe seven times. And I think oh, that's like insurance. Yeah, you that that's gonna almost guarantee you a deal. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. Six so, times. but people oh, don't yeah. understand that. And I have people all the time telling me, you know, I know mail works for you. I want to do mail. I go, okay. I go, but how big is your list? And do you have the budget to mail it six times? Most of them go, no way. Right? Because I, I usually tell people start with a list of ten thousand. So to mail that, even if you're sending a postcard, is four thousand dollars. Right? Forty cents about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. It's yeah. You're going to mail that six times. It's 24 grand. Like a lot of people. If you're new, yeah. Good luck doing that. Yeah. So, and that's, yeah, you, that's so true. That's so, so true with the mail. There, there is a luck factor, right? The fact is if you, if you, you have a list of people likely to sell and you're contacting them multiple times, whether it's phone, text, mail, like you've got to understand there's a luck factor, whether your mail piece or your phone call or your text is going to hit them that day when the tenant told them, you know what, I'm not paying your rent anymore. Evict me. Or the day the roofer told him it's twelve thousand dollars to fix the roof, or the day, yep. you know, the day something broke and they fixed. Like 
Yeah, the plumbing explodes or something. Yeah, it's timing. And that's where the consistency is there. I mean, people don't understand this. I, I get calls all the time from people, all the time. I watch the YouTube video and they go, I'm a whole, I've been a wholesaler for two years. And I get into the details and I found like they made one offer in two years. Like, made one offer, yeah. No, yeah. well, that's, you got to make a lot of offers. Yeah, it's all about making offers. I started tracking it. Um, I, I put up a new whiteboard. I'm tracking every offer I'm making now because it's really- You have to. Now. You have to. I mean, I do the same thing on Google Sheets. And here's a tip for marketing if you're new. I wish I knew this when I started. Like, you, the more you can just study marketing, the easier it's going to be to make money in real estate. Like, I didn't study marketing the first three and a half, four years of my career. Now, I, I study marketing like an animal. And it's so much easier for me to make money in real estate because I understand the principles of direct marketing, direct response. And like, if you just know, like for seller marketing, it's math, it's just math and timing. It's, it's, it's actually math. It's not even timing because timing is part of math. Like if you send, like, let me just give people an example. Like I'll give like, if you're in New York, I'm going to give you my cost per deal, like basically reverse engineered. So if I send generally speaking, like every, like, cause it's all in sequences and cycles. If I send like 16,000 mail units out, let's say that's, that's, that's what, let's say that's 8,000, but I've mailed them twice. So 16,000 and I pay 36 a card, it's going to cost me around like $5,760. Like my cost per deal is like four grand. So if we're going to take that number, like that's almost guaranteeing that I'm going to make money based on my own personal numbers. So, and the reason I'm saying that is because it, let's say you mail out 8,500 postcards in general, and you get a, a 0.05% response rate. You're going to get like 42 calls. You'll probably get like 35 leads. If you do that cycle twice, you're going to get 70 leads, 70 leads on that. You're going to most likely get a deal statistically speaking. So the point, and like I said, that's kind of like a quick example, but it, I'm just using math to ensure that I'm probably going to make money. And if you buy, and if you look at direct marketing and you just, you start buying response in the beginning, cause you're probably not going to get a deal on one or one or two, especially in the beginning. And you know, your response rate, you're going to eventually start to reverse engineer how to legitimately make money every month from marketing. Because it's just math. It's honestly math. And 100%. it's probability. Yeah. The one, one difficulty in New York is that because the sales cycle is so long, I found you need, you need like a, you need to be market. You need to keep with the marketing channel for about a year before you even know your numbers on it. Yeah. Especially when you're new, if you're a brand new marketer, it's, but the, the benefit to that though, is that if you're willing to do what Michael and I are telling you, like pretend that you just paid Mike and I 10 grand to consult, which we don't charge that uh, for our consulting services, by the way. But if you just apply what we told you on this free show and you just take the stuff and like implement it every day, you're going to kick everyone's butt because you're going to be thinking like a marketer. You're going to be understanding New York is hard. And like over one, two, three, five years, you're going to have a successful business because you're just you've implemented the stuff that's going to get you successful. You know, it's not, not rocket science. You know, you and I aren't brain surgeons. No way. You know, no way. you could be a brain surgeon, but I, I don't know, man. I, if I, I always tell people usually after a couple of glasses of wine, I say, yeah, you know, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, I, I'd probably be an attorney. I don't know. I feel like they piss people off. <laughs> I, just, I, don't know if I had to be an entrepreneur. If I couldn't be an entrepreneur, if I had to get like a corporate job, I'd probably pick attorney over Wall Street guy because those Wall Street guys, they just seem like they do make a lot of money, but they have to work for like 18 hours a day. And I, my mental, like, I couldn't do that. Like I would explode. You know, I'd be like Jordan Belfort, you know, on the, on the, on the decline. <laughs> I, uh, I was just thinking about that because some, I was talking to someone about, and she's working, she's working a job, she's making like crappy money. And she said, yeah. you know, should I go into real estate? And I said, if you could just, I think she's, she's making like 40 grand a year. So I said, can you, 
if you could just make 40 grand a year in real estate, would you rather be working for yourself or would you rather have a job? And she, I love that question. it wasn't clear to her. Like for, for a lot of people, they need that safety of that paycheck. Like if I told you, I said, I can almost guarantee you can make $40,000 net to you, right? Forget about gross oh, yeah. um, in the, in this business. But for some people, it doesn't, doesn't work. Like it, they, 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 and it's funny to me because when I thought about it, I'm like, I had a lot of friends who worked at Lehman Brothers and worked at Bear Stearns before the crash. These guys thought that they were the safest, had the safest jobs ever. And some of these guys ended up back on their feet. Some of them didn't. But like you get this idea that if you work for this big corporation, that you have this safety net and that if you work for yourself, it's all this, all this risk. But the truth is, I don't, I don't know if it's true. I, for me, yeah. no, no doubt. I, I, I define success by like control over my time and 100%. You're working a job. You don't have control over your time, but everybody's no. different. It's not so simple. And and that's I, I like this this topic here because like I, I remember in the beginning, like especially when if anyone starts out in business, especially if you're young, if you're listening to this and you're under thirty, you you're like you don't know. You've never made money on your own before. You've probably had jobs in the past. Like I was a lifeguard. You know, I worked at a golf course when I was like eighteen, nineteen. So like I didn't have any like you know I wasn't a corporate guy by any means. And I remember in the beginning, I was like, yeah, this sucks because I'm working for free. I'm not making money because my expectation was time for money, you know, salary for money, whatever. Right. And once I started making money on my own, it was the freedom. It's like, even though like I'm involved in my business and I do things every day, but it's all my choice. It's my choice. I choose to do it. You know, I'm pretty good with my time management. Like I don't get overwhelmed that easily, you know, because I've, I've learned to structure stuff. But like when you can reverse engineer your income based on skills that you provide in the market and you can save money, like I'm a big believer in saving money and all that stuff. And that's a whole nother topic, but you're, that's, that's financial security to me, especially when you can put that in some rentals and you get some residual income like that. And especially when you're saving money, when you allocate your money correctly, when you put it in different categories, it's like that, that's how you have safety. I think because if, if you have a job and even if it's a good job and you're, you're, you're making just as much as you're spending, if you lose your job or the coronavirus happens again, or wall street goes down or whatever, like you lose your job, it, you put yourself in a tough situation, which is uncontrollable, but you know, the, the discipline and the habits of, of money management, you weren't participating in. So don't think a job is that safe and it might seem safe on the surface level, but if you really, it, it's all, it comes down to like controlling your income and being able to, you know, know where the money's coming from. And if you get good at real estate and marketing, it, it's, it's, you can, you basically have a meal ticket for life, you know, especially if you just want to make like the bare minimum, if you want to make six figures in real estate and you have some marketing experience. It's not too difficult to do that once you understand the principles. It's not easy to do it overnight, but once you get it, you can go out and like, if you drop me off into a random market, if I drop you off into a random market in a year plus, we'd be at least six figures. if not way more than that because we have the real estate skills, um, which are invaluable, you know, and that's what I want the listeners to really understand. If you get those skills, you'll always be able to make money because it's inevitable. It's part of your identity. It's part of your DNA, you know? Absolutely. I think it's, I think you're, it's, it's almost safer. If you have the skills that you know you can translate, yeah. it's safer than getting a paycheck from somebody else who can, who can fire you at any time or the company go out of business anytime. Yeah, exactly. Or the un, 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 unforeseen event like the COVID. I mean, you see so many people, there, there's these industries in COVID. You think like back when Wall Street crashed in 08, you know, I was really young, but still like, you know, the, the deli was still open, the hair salon was still open, you know, the gyms were still open. You know, but now, you know, the, the, some of these other industries, this is the complete opposite now. You know, you got the barbershop closed, you've got the restaurants closed. It's, it's flip-flopped everything and exposed everybody, you know, so it's, it's crazy. Also, think about people that own the office space. Like, I was thinking about buying oh. office space. I own office space now. I'd be really- You were considering buying office space? Yeah. Like, like as an investment or to like work at it? I know you have it. 
as an investment. I was I was considering buying retail, buying office space. All those things are getting slammed right now. They're getting slammed. But the office, the thing with office, if it's if the economy's going good, office is great. You got a good cap rate. You got pretty secure tenants. But you, when this happens, that's that's completely changed. Changes everything. Yeah. I, have, I have friends who work for big companies like Goldman Sachs, and Goldman told them, "You're not coming back to the office in 2020. We'll revisit it in 2021." Goldman owns a lot of office space. They're not, not going to need oh. all that office space in 2021. They probably own it. But if you're not, if you work for a, any industry where people have been working from home and have been just as productive, you're not going to renew your your lease when it's up. You, you may take less space. You maybe have a hotel in. But this is going to be a, a generational change in how office space is used. And oh, a hundred percent. And like, think about it. Like, who? Like, you know, I think the big trend now in 2020 with millennials and just people in general technology, it's like people want to have freedom. And like the best way to have freedom, at least to start, is to like be location independent, which is all I'm doing air quotes on purpose. If you're not listening or if you're not watching on YouTube, like if you, if I, let's say I, I own the big software business, for example, like, you know, we own software.com and then, you know, we have a huge office in downtown Seattle, just making this up. And we were just as profitable, if not more profitable in COVID times and I see my office, if I'm looking at the P&L and the office takes up 35% of my expenses, if I remove the office, not only am I going to put more money in my pocket, but my team is going to be more happy. Right. So like if you have a brain in between your ears, you would just remove the office. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Maybe, maybe you keep a small office if people need, yeah, like, there's some people want to come in, but like yeah. I think the need yeah, the demand for office space is going to go down tremendously no. going forward. Yeah. Tremendous, especially with Zoom. I mean, Zoom, where it's like we're in an office now. I mean, I get on Zoom with people all the time. It's like I feel like I know the people. I mean, I know you. I happen to know you, but like, there's been clients I've trained with in the sales business. I've never met them. I did. I they don't know me. I don't know them. I all Zoom calls, and it's like that's just the way the world changes. You know, you got to be able to adapt with that, or else it's true. All right. So uh, I think as we end this call, any other thoughts you have for anybody? I'm going to put your class note. I'm going to put in the in the notes the EPH class and. Um, and I'll put contact information for you, but anything you want to, any idea you want to talk about as we wind it down? Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate being on the show. I mean, if I had to kind of wrap it up, I mean, if we want to make this generally like New York specific, um, if, if you're in New York state, you're trying to do real estate investing. I, you know, I, I, I probably sound like, I remember when I was listening and I was in listener shoes, it was like, oh yeah, he's doing it. He's making money, but that's not for me. I, I see this guy making a paycheck. I can't make it. And like, I'm telling you right now, if you have a long-term mindset, and you understand that the heart, the, the, everything valuable is hard, right? If you understand that, I wish someone told that to me on day one. Everything valuable, marketing, sales, negotiating money, is kind of hard in the beginning. Because, you know, if it wasn't hard, there'd be no value and there'd be no money exchange. And everyone, so you gotta, everyone, everyone would do it if it wasn't hard. Everyone would do it. And it'd be a crazy, it'd be like buying a house in 2006. You know, everyone's making money in real estate. They're, they don't know real estate, right? right. Um, did you see, everything valuable is hard. I don't want to interrupt you, but did you see in the movie... Um, uh, and the movie with, what? No, the movie with the with the with the women uh, baseball players with Tom Hanks. He talks about baseball, and people say it's oh, hard. Leave our leave our own. And he goes, the hard is what makes it great. The hard is what makes it, and that's true. And that that's true. And that's why if you're in real estate in New York, you want to wholesale flip houses. It's 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 worth it. I can tell you right now, it's worth it because when you get to the other side, it's almost like if you're you know if you're if you're trying to want you to vet like. It's like you have this this little straight path, and then there's a huge dip. There's actually a book called The Dip by Seth Godin. I, I read it. It's a great book. It's a great book. And um, once you get to the other side of that dip and you understand how the business works a little bit, 
it's going to be 10 times worth it because if you're in a situation where you're, you hate your job, you want more money and you just persist in this business because there's a proven model in this business. It's not like we're telling you to go invent Tesla, you know, like this is real estate flips. This is, this is going to be around forever. It's, um, a simple, it's a simple, it's not an easy business, but it's a simple business. It's so simple. It, it, it's true. It is so simple, but it's not easy because you really need to have some thick skin. But if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. And like, I sound so cheesy and it's like, Greg, really? It's like, but it's true. Like if you seriously want it bad enough, you'll get the information, you'll get the tactics, you'll get the strategies. I mean, you can, heck, you can listen, if you listen to this call 50 times, I challenge somebody on this podcast, listen to this 50 times and go apply what we're saying. And if you don't make money, Mike and I will both give you a hundred bucks each. I'm telling you right now, if, if you listen to this 50 times and you DM me on Instagram, say, Greg, I listened to this 50 times. I was the crazy guy to do that. Like I will, I'll be very happy and we will be speaking further. And uh, you know, you'll probably be going to dinner with me. And I'll be like, dude, really? Let me see the history of that. But we'll seriously. Both, we'll both yeah, take them out to dinner. We will. If someone listens to this 50 times, I, I swear, and they, they show me that they've done it. Mike and I will take them out to dinner. We'll get them whatever they want. And uh, they'll probably be successful. So maybe they'll pay for us. <laughs> so, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, just go out there. You got to be long-term mindset. Um, you know, just, just know that it works. And um, it's going to be worth it at the end if you persist. Greg, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I could not have picked a better uh, interviewee uh, for my first uh, po uh, podcast interview. So thank you for coming on. And um There'll be notes. Do you want me to put contact? If, if somebody wants to contact you, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, Instagram, Grego underscore 37. That's a great, uh, that's a great, you know, uh, way that they can, they can get in touch with me. Um, they can also check out Pave the Way podcast on Apple and Spotify and all that. Uh, I've, I've had Mike on the show twice. He's a rock star. We, we go into New York investing on that. And um, yeah, just social media, you know, I try to put stuff out and uh, yeah, I'm here to, here to help. I mean, I used to not put out a lot of content. And now I try to put as much content as I can on the internet and genuinely be helpful. All right, great. Greg, thank you very much. And we'll be in touch soon. See ya. Right. Hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, go to howtoflipnewyork.com for more information about the various ways that I can help you. And again, if you can leave a review, uh, that would really help us out.